up nicely. This is the Drew and Fuse Show. The Drew and Fuse Show. The Drew and Fuse Show. Yeah, they clean up nicely. Hello. Back. We're back. <laughs> How you doing? I'm um, I'm doing great. Today is I don't know what today is, but it's a it's a light week for me and that makes me excited. It's like having a vacation, mini vacation. It's uh Tuesday. It's Thursday. It's Friday. Oh, it's actually Wednesday. But it's uh, Wednesday. It's Wednesday, my dudes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, Thank you guys for listening that always tune in. We appreciate you. Uh, you know, you can leave us a voicemail on the YOLO line. We got one from Digital Dave last week, so that was always good. It's always good to hear from Digital Dave. That number is 562-246-YOLO. Also, we have a couple uh, sponsors. If you use the code Drew and Fuse Show at Direct Music Service, it'll get you 30% off your first month. Also, if you're on YouTube, look for the link below. If you're in uh, the market for a photo booth, we have an affiliate link to the um, photo booth supply salsa booth. So if that's something you're interested in, check it out. Use our affiliate link. We'd appreciate it. It'll help support the show. Also, we are not sponsored by Liquid Death. Not sponsored at not all. Sponsored. But here we Soon go. Soon to be sponsored, though. Ah. Uh, <clears throat> Nice and refreshing. Refreshing. Yeah, we got a great guest today. Um, I'm a big fan. I've always looked up to this guy as a DJ and just uh, he's a hustler, um, does a lot of stuff. Uh, he's a music director at Big Night Entertainment Group in Boston and Foxwoods. He's a teacher at the Berkeley College of Music, uh, teaches DJing and mixing and all that good stuff and we'll talk to him a little bit about that today uh he's a longtime resident dj at the club shrine in foxwoods and one of the creators of the i love tuesday industry party and it's got to be one of the longest running uh industry parties uh, that's been around he's played with artists like uh tiesto and hardwell and diplo rick ross chain smokers cascade avici AM, LMFAO, Mustard, all the big touring DJs, he's, he's done it with them. Uh, he runs his own business um, and events for events and photo booths. He is the other half of the creator, uh, the creators of the Remix Report. Um, so with that being said, please help us welcome DJ JD. Hey, thank you guys. What an hey. intro. And man, I'm, I'm really rooting for you guys to be sponsored by Liquid Death. I'm like really rooting for that. <laughs> we appreciate that. We are too. Uh, We're speaking it into existence. You know, we need free water in our life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. I stumbled across the um, their advertising, and I just we started this podcast, and I think all at the same time, I was just inspired by it. So. Uh, I think it's kind of taken on its own shape, and now we have people texting us that about it. But it's it's is why not? Yeah, you got to have sponsorships for this stuff, you know. That's what it's all about. 
my mom <laughs> like buys it for my niece now because she thinks my niece thinks it's cool. So. I have not actually had it myself, no, but I'm I, I have to go out and find it and yeah, and so the, the, this thing to try. Yeah, the black ones are the the sparkling, so and then the white ones are just the regular water in a can. See, I just <laughs> drink the I just drink the the regular like polar soda water. I'm 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 not that bougie. I guess I got to get a little more bougie. I don't have the polar. <laughs> I don't I don't think I've had that polar. I gotta I gotta download. I gotta download. Oh my god! I gotta go grab some of that. Uh, download there the we... water off the internet <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm thinking we're not that far away from that right well, well i mean it was in my head because i'm just thinking i buy everything on amazon so it's just like i gotta order it is what i meant to say well i mean you know you download the liquid death off the amazon and it comes straight to your house so <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <sighs> man but all right thank you for you know, coming in and taking the time to be with us here today. We know you're uh, a, a, a busy person and uh, you're, I think I saw online that you just finished up uh, your class for the year with, with teaching. Yeah, we just finished up actually about two weeks ago. Um, the week, uh, the first week of May is finals week. Um, so yeah, I just uh, posted this morning a little video of a, a set I performed uh, for my students, they all have to perform a final set, you know, for the class to show uh, what they've learned. And that's always kind of the most fun part of the, the semester, kind of seeing their creativity and, and all that. And, uh, you know, I think it's only fair that I probably prepare something as well since they're working hard at it and uh, kind of show them a little bit of what can be done and, and try and yeah do a do a fun set for them. So, yeah, I just uh, finally edited that together. I had recorded uh yeah set up a gopro and recorded pretty much every time i did it for all uh i think nine of my classes that i was teaching this semester or eight eight or nine nine and um so i just edited all those together kind of uh to make a, a fun video so that's awesome um i'm actually curious what's what's the syllabus and what are some of the things uh you're teaching in this class yeah so the there's three classes uh, that I teach. Um, I've developed a few more, but uh, I can maybe talk about those as well. Um, so all the DJ classes that I teach are electives at the school. Uh, so really anybody can take them. Uh, the first class is called Turntable Technique. And that's where, uh, that's kind of like the prerequisite DJ class that anybody has to take. Uh, the first half of the semester, they learn how to DJ on vinyl. Um, so, you know, all old school. We have a nice vinyl collection in the class. They get to to browse and, and dig through and find uh, find songs that they and they, they have no idea any of the songs that are there. Pretty much, they're not familiar with anything. So, um, are most of them familiar with vinyl at all? Very few. I mean, even their parents, like at this point, even their parents don't have vinyl. You yeah. know, it, it really kind of twisted my brain a few years ago when I realized like they don't even have MP3s anymore. <laughs> oh my like, gosh. Like we're Jeez. setting up their Serato. So the second half of that that turntable technique class is DJing with Serato uh, DBS uh on vinyl. And yeah. I'd we'd be at that stage and I'd be like, hey, yeah, so just uh you know, load up some songs from uh from your iTunes, you know, drag some songs into Serato or whatever. And they're like, What do you mean? <laughs> oh <laughs> we, my gosh. We don't have these songs. And these are these are music students, these are people that are doing music for their life, like you know. So that just just blew my mind. 
Um, so then uh, so our second, are our you second, just in, implementing BeatSource or like some of the streaming services to do it? So I end up kind of sharing some music with them on a, a Google Drive for them to to start with, and a lot of them end up just ripping YouTube videos and and stuff like that. Unfortunately, I do uh, I do actually show them BeatSource because um, we go through kind of all the the streaming services and what's uh, available in Serato. So I, I definitely talk about all those. Um, but most of them are not really interested in, <laughs> in going to that length at this stage in the game. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully they, they do. And I, I talk about different record pools and everything, you know, obviously talk about direct music service and every, everybody else, but, um, most of them are not really committed enough at that stage to go to that length of, of joining a record pool yet. Right. So, so I kind of give them a core core group of songs that they can at least use uh, and then they can of course augment that with whatever they want to use as well and you're um, teaching serato or is it any specific yeah, program serato mostly um in the second level of the class which is called digital dj technique we start with uh serato and cdj 2000 nexus twos um in hid mode and then the second half of that semester we do get into record box since most of these kids you know, they're going to Berkeley for uh, music production and things like that, where they want to be producers, they want to be on festival stages, they want to be be superstars. So getting them familiar with what they're going to encounter in clubs and festivals and things like that, um, you know, is obviously really important. So I definitely like to, to at least give them a cursory overview of that, since most of them are more in that like kind of EDM producer DJ realm. This is wild hearing you talk about this because uh, we were talking about BeatSource on the last episode, and I guess I didn't put it together. You're right. No one really has MP3s at all. Or, I mean, unless you're really on a record pull or digging, it's almost impossible to, to even find them anymore. It's hard to even buy them. Like for, for weddings, because I obviously do, I do a lot of weddings, you know, every wedding there's a few songs that you don't have in your library, especially for like, you know, I know weird special dances or cocktail hour, dinner music, whatever it might be. So you always got to go look for it. I try and buy as much of that as possible. I used to buy everything on Amazon, the digital store on Amazon. Yep. That's like unusable now. You can't even barely find the digital music store yeah. anymore. You have yeah, to I'm download every single song one at a time. You can't bulk yeah. download anything. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, so now I use, uh, I'm back to iTunes, buying stuff on iTunes and that, that works well enough, but it's just not, it's not as easy as it seemed to be before. Yeah. Wow. That's so wild. Um, so anyways, I didn't mean to interrupt you. What's the rest of the syllabus and how does, how does it evolve throughout the rest of the semester? Yeah. So there, there is one more class that we teach as well, uh, called the turntable ensemble. Uh, and that's where, you know, we get a, a small group of DJs, sometimes even with uh, a singer or drummer or somebody and kind of try and create some type of band environment with DJs, you know, uh, obviously trying to be a little more scratch oriented um, and just kind of layering loops and things like that. A lot of times it just depends on that's kind of a more free form class where we just kind of work on you know, what what students are good at and kind of just figure out what, what what goes on creating our own stuff which is super fun but um so yeah the other two classes turntable technique and digital dj are kind of like the the core curriculum of djing at berkeley at this point and um you know we have a, a great dj lab um that was just updated um maybe about i guess four or five years ago 
they did a huge renovation at Berkeley and gave us our own independent lab that has is stocked with uh, yeah CDJ two thousand Nexus twos DJM nine hundred Nexus twos um, the PLX one thousands um, you know it's, it's really great we have eight student stations one teacher station um, so definitely uh, yeah it's it's you walk in that room it's like you know <laughs> a DJ Goldbine is so fun. That's that's amazing. Uh, that sounds fun. I wish I had that in when I was going to college. I was taking like clay class, uh, <laughs> trying to make bowls. <laughs> so um, that's cool. And how did you really get into this? Is did you? Yeah, I, I'm just so curious. How you did you go to the school and you know go to them and say, hey, I got this idea or. Yeah, how did I finagle myself into teaching these DJ classes at, at the college level, right? Um, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, I did I did attend Berkeley. Um, I graduated in 2005. Um, I started in 2002. And, um, you know, when I first uh, went to Berkeley, I was DJing already in high school. Started DJing probably when I was about 16 or so, uh, 98, 99 time frame. And... Um, when I started at Berkeley, you know, they have the the student activity fair at the beginning of the semester with all the, the student clubs you can join. And one of the clubs I saw on the list was this turntable club. And I was like, dope, like I'm going to meet my people like these are these are exactly the people I want to want to meet because I really yeah. need to need to up my skills. I was all completely self-taught at that point, you know. This is, you know, long before YouTube is the the rewinding, oh, yeah. the, the VHS tape days. And <laughs> um, I would do, rewind the battle sets. And I'm like, wait, yeah. he has his needles turned sideways. Why is that? And then <laughs> why, why is the records tape? And I'm like, just doing it, trying to figure out what the fuck it even does. Yeah, like none, none of this makes any sense. I can barely distinguish what's even happening yeah. on the VHS. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, man. Uh, so I go to the student activity fair. And there's no turntable club there. I'm like, what the hell? Like, this is this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> not, my people aren't here. What, what am I gonna do? Uh, so, you know, I took some initiative, went to the student activity uh, people, and like tried to find out how I could get this club restarted. And uh, so they helped me out. I had to get a student, uh, a teacher advisor, rather, to kind of oversee the the club. So I discovered this teacher, Stephen Weber who uh, actually wrote one of the first books on how to DJ called the uh, turntable technique, the art of the DJ. Um, that was a book that. put out with Newmark. It's got a big blue cover, came with a pair of records. Um, so he wrote that book and was just about to start this DJ class called turntable technique at Berkeley, which he had fought really hard to, to get that started. You know, a jazz school like Berkeley was not really, um, too keen on <laughs> on having DJs kind of be a, a focal point, although the the PR department felt felt a little bit differently. So uh, he ended up starting that class my second year, and uh, I became the teacher's assistant for the class since uh, you know he knew me from the the turntable club and all that. So um, I got really tight with him, and you know kind of watched how he was teaching that class. And then when I graduated. Uh, he asked me to teach their summer music program classes. I did that for, for many years. Um, and then when he actually transitioned away from Boston, uh, went to start the Berkeley Valencia Spain campus, um, I took over his classes at that point. That was probably about 10 years ago. So um, that's kind of the, yeah, that trajectory. You know, a lot of uh, 
definitely a lot of being in the right place at the right time as a, as a lot of this stuff is, it's kind of luck and opportunity and preparation meet to, to create this, this crazy oh, yeah. life that we have, you know? <laughs> but I mean, you were ready and you were already putting in the, the work. So it's uh, what are they? Yeah. Just being, being prepared and being in the right place at the right time. It's the combination for sure. Absolutely. Um, have you created no, that- a superstar DJ? <laughs> Uh, well, so I have a lot of of Asian students, actually, a lot of students from China and, and Korea and things like that. And um, definitely a, a few of them have gone back to China and are like performing at EDC China and like huge clubs and festivals out there. Actually, one of them brought me out to do um, to like a little talk uh, a few years ago. Um, so, yeah, definitely more on that side. Uh, not too many on the American side, although there's definitely been, been a bunch that are out there, you know, doing their thing and, and performing every week and, and doing really cool things. So, you know, we'll, we'll see if any of them turn into like the next of each year or something, maybe one day. <laughs> um, it, it's interesting. It's like a jazz school there. Is there any kind of, uh, at least like lesson on sampling, you know? So I do, I, I think there are other classes that, that definitely hint on sampling. There's definitely a lot of hip hop classes, hip hop production classes. I think a lot of those definitely um, do kind of get into that sample territory. There's a lot of music business classes that talk about, you know, royalties and, and clearance and all that kind of stuff. Um, we don't really get into certainly the legalities of that stuff in, in my classes, but um, yeah, it's definitely an important thing for students to understand. It definitely does come up. Yeah. I would just think it'd be interesting to making loops or just recording stuff. And I mean, now they could maybe with that band stuff, making their own loops and, you know, in, uh, introducing it into like a set. So that that's really cool, man. I guess yeah. the, the world is wide open with how you could take it. You know, I mean, that's like DJs just keep expanding and expanding on where we're going to go with it. So you got to keep it in that curriculum. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, the curriculum does, does constantly change and update as things you know come into play you know record box was was not even a thing when we first started this class and you know obviously had to to change with the times and you know it's always a it's a good thing you got to stay stay current and up to date and yeah i was gonna say do, do you find that it kind of helps keep you inspired as well with djing because you know yeah it, does. It, it definitely does you know they the students definitely put me on to some new music as well. You know, they're definitely on, on different traje- trajectories than I am uh, a lot of times. So it's cool to hear what they're playing. And um, yeah, their, their creativity is, you know, pretty, pretty pure at their, their stage. So it's really cool to see how they're pushing things and, and what they think sounds good. That's cool. Uh, Drew, do you want to get into uh, some rapid fire here? Yeah, sure. All right. Ooh. All right. So I'm going to play our uh, little segment video and then we'll get started with some not so rapid rapid fire. <laughs> All right. So you guys got the best jingles. I love it. (laughs) High (laughs) introduction. So the last thing that you listened to recreationally, either Spotify or vinyl or whatever. So yeah, when I listen 
for my own listening purposes, I pretty much listen to um, this drum and bass playlist on Spotify called the, uh, is it the IDF? I don't know. Let me, let me pull this up real quick. Because um, I just, I think like you guys might have been hinting at on one of your recent interviews, uh, UKF, Drum and Bass Top 100. Uh, it's just a dope playlist on Spotify. And, you know, and when I'm listening for my own pleasure, it's to hear different things that I'm not listening to on a weekly basis. <laughs> so definitely things that are, are a little outside, a little different. Um, I'm going to yeah. pull that up. I, I haven't checked out drum. I love me some drum and bass. I haven't listened to it in a while. Um, has it evolved much since, you know, I guess the, the 2000s? Yeah, I mean, I, I was not huge into drum and bass. Yeah, and around that time, I definitely came across you know some of the more popular tracks and things like that, and and kind of enjoyed them. But it was definitely a little, a little more than I was interested in at the time. You know, the drum and bass that's on on this playlist, there's a pretty wide range, but a lot of it's pretty melodic and um, you know, like Sub Focus is definitely one of the the bigger producers there, and his stuff is just really, really big and and kind of feel good vibes mostly. Um, there's some some darker, more aggressive stuff on there too, which which is fun, but. You know, a lot of it is very melodic and, and musical and just really enjoyable to listen to. Um, so I think that that probably has progressed a bit. The pr production, I think, is a little more uh, involved than it probably was back then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like all samples and sped up. Uh, <laughs> what's the, that really popular break that just every break, every song was that same break? Yeah, the uh, the Amen break. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. totally. All right, well, I, I'm always taking notes, so I'm going to put that to my, my new listening. <laughs> All right, what about your favorite thing to do when not DJing? Sleep. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I know I should, Amen. With, I should say play with my kids, but it's definitely going to be sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> I like How old are your sleep. kids? Uh, I have a 16-month-old and a 7.5-year-old. So, oh wow keeping us busy for sure yeah what's a uh what's your favorite remixer or producer uh, it doesn't have to be like editor like it could be like whatever i'm gonna go i guess kind of semi-mainstream i'm gonna go i'm gonna go skrillex okay. with that i think like i think especially obviously when he first came out was pretty groundbreaking with the the dubstep sounds i definitely Really enjoyed that. Inspired me to create a, a mixtape at that point of drum and of uh, dubstep rather, and and obviously he's evolved a lot into more of the pop sounds and just he's super versatile, you know, all all around. So he's put now he's just I think for the last couple of years just really been doing behind the scenes production. Has he put out anything of his own lately? Not that I've really been aware of recently. Yeah. No, no. I'd I'd love to see him go back and try some some uh, dubstep again at least dabble in it again see what he can do now it would probably work again like if he did something you know uh kind of with that kind of same sound i feel like all that stuff's cool again now so uh but yeah, yeah he, should, he should do like a scary monsters 2022 uh, yeah revamp yeah. or something totally yeah. <laughs> totally have you got to uh open for him or play with him or be even be at the club one night when he was there i have gone to see him uh twice um but i've never gotten to play with him he's one one guy that i've always wanted us to get at shrine um who i've 
we've never it's never worked out yeah would that work at shrine i mean he's such a superstar i'm sure people would come from all over but just curious for sure yeah i mean he draws his own crowd and people would definitely want to see him i have, I have no doubt that, that would work work really well um but he's not uh he's not cheap and not super available so right <laughs> yeah i really feel like he's gone underground i don't even really see him doing some of the festivals at all so i, I don't that's know that's on my doing. that's on my note list look up skrillex yeah maybe he's on some doing some like yeah some some covert stuff to come I, out with, with i know he was producing some but like uh the last thing i saw he was producing like uh somebody's like hip-hop record he was like one of the producers on it you know but i can't even remember who it was yeah i feel like i saw something like that as well he, he just he does everything now which is yeah, he's, he's one of the few who can get away with it yeah that's what i would want to do i would want to be the guy that nobody knows that can go to the grocery store still <laughs> i could not be bothered i think everyone knows who he is the haircut he got skrillex hair wasn't that like yeah. a, a meme for a while girls got skrillex hair <laughs> There's like all these girls with like scarlet haircuts. Anyways, <laughs> what's a a popular song uh, that DJs should be playing out, but you refuse to play because you hate it or it makes you cringe? You have any that that's just a personal you won't do? And the chicken dance, I definitely won't play. But no, nobody should play that. I don't, I don't think anybody's actually playing that though. So. Although, Unless uh, it's yeah. Oktoberfest, then you can play it. Yeah, you're play it every 15 minutes. And all, all my wedding clients are always scared, like, I'm going to play the chicken dance or something. I'm like, why, why is this even still a thing like, that we're talking about? Um, yeah, kids don't know about MP3s, yet they still know the chicken dance. Yeah. Oh, we're all the dreaded chicken dance. They're like, yeah. God, please. I don't know. There's not really too many more that... You know, I don't I don't take too many hardline stances like some other people that are talked about frequently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty, uh, you know, if, if it gets people enjoyment, then I'm, I'm fairly open to play most things. You know, I th every now and then there are songs that kind of come across. You're just like, I, I really don't feel like like going down this route, but. That's pretty rare, I'd say. I'm I'm right there with you, and I I had a wedding this this weekend, and the mom of the groom came up, and this one's on my do not playlist mentally um, for myself. But she was like, "So how how much sooner are you playing Rock Lobster?" I said, "Huh, interesting. <laughs> you don't get a Rock Lobster request unless they're gonna go out and do the dance." So I'm like, "Mom wants it. Here we go." And it was. I mean, they had a whole circle going, and mom's doing the clam, and they're all, dad's on the ground. I'm like, what? this is amazing. Yeah, I mean, I guess they're in the past. There's been similar songs like that for me. Like ABBA "Dancing Queen" was like, "Do not play ever." Yes, this yeah. record is dead. Yeah, for forever. Um, like YMCA, dead. Yeah. And now those kill. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. It is yeah. so weird to think like 10 years ago, like the stuff that we were like, exactly like you said, you're like, do not ever play this. Like, don't just don't do it. And now it's like, <laughs> no, we want that. And it's like, and then they're like, but don't play Bruno Mars because that's <laughs> easy. And I'm like, yeah. or they're like, play, play ABBA Dancing Queen, but don't play Celebration. Yes. And you're like, but these are like kind of like the same <laughs> thing to me. I, I don't know. I, I, I 
I can't distinguish I, the two that way. <laughs> yeah, I had no hip hop recently, but but I played the YMCA twice because they kept at, coming up and asking me for it. So, <laughs> hey, who knows? Wild times. <laughs> yeah, what? Wild times. Uh, what's the best non curse word, one word insult? Oh, you know, I should have been prepared for this because I, I know. Uh, I've heard you guys ask this before. You put me on the spot right now with this one. It's a tough one. <laughs> People always get stumped by it, but um, maybe it's something you uh, you whisper under your breath about stu- your students. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I can really come up with a a, a really good one for that. A non curse word. Yeah, I, I think I'm blanking clown. out on that. Clown. Nerd. Nerd. Nerd was one. Nerd oh, was nerd. One. See, I asked my son last year he, he was like six at the time i was asked him what a, if he knew what a nerd was and he didn't even know what that meant he didn't even know what a nerd was so i was like what are you what are you going, what are you kids learning in school these days you don't even know what a nerd is. <laughs> you're, you're so sheltered you don't even know what a nerd is like they're giving out awards for everything these days like, come on it used to be the, the biggest insult you know uh, nerd and nerds well, and dweebs and we haven't had dweebs ever before. If you want to run with that, let's go one. With dweebs. We'll go. We'll go with dweeb. All right. It's a, it's a pretty. Uh, it's a classic. Yeah, throwback. Throwback insult. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one too. I like that. We're, Drew and I keep saying we're going to make a uh, when we start our merch store uh, in 2035 when that finally <laughs> happens uh, that we're going to have a T-shirt with all the one-word insults on it from all the different DJs and what they've said. So that's Dude, the, that's. That, that's the plan. I love that. I love that idea. <laughs> so uh, when we had Jay Spring on, we asked him this question. And um, what's like the go-to food spot in your area? If like somebody, if I, I'm i going to come visit, like what's the spot that you would take me to to, to eat? There's probably. You're not in Boston, right? You're. No, we're in, we're in Connecticut. So we're about two hour, hour and a half, two hours south of Boston. Okay. Uh, right on the shore. Uh, so it would have to be a seafood spot for sure. Um there's uh there's probably two or three good seafood spots I would have to say. One is called SP Oyster House. Um, one is called Red 36. There's another, I forget Abbott's Lobster is another. That's like a little lobster shack. Like they get the lobsters right out of the water, bring them in the restaurant, cook them up, and it's like, you know, as fresh as you can get. You hear um, them crying in the hot water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep, the louder the better, and uh, <laughs> so I, I'd have to say that those are all in Mystic, Connecticut, um, you know, which is a classic sailing town. So, all right, his was pizza. So I know, it's a yeah, different route. Yeah, there's lots of good pizza spots. Obviously, you know, New Haven is kind of considered the capital of, of pizza. Pepe's Pizza, mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely good. You know, I'm more of a, I'm like a thick crust guy than uh, yeah. that that thin floppy stuff. I don't know. It's good. Yeah. I can eat it, but. Not necessarily my preference. I, I had a lobster roll recently. I was in um, Atlanta or outside Atlanta. And is it something that you would get at that at this spot? Uh, some kind of lobster roll? Or is it oh, just yeah. you're getting a lobster bucket? Or what is it that I need Lobster to rolls are probably the most, yeah, the most common, common form. I mean, you could get the whole lobster and like break it apart and do the whole thing, which is, you know, a huge mess. I think a lot of people go there. They just want to get that lobster roll, have it nice and nice and easy <laughs> without the mess. 
Well, and they and they gave it two ways. It was one was cold, and then the other one was like heated up with butter. And yeah, heated with butter is the way. Okay. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I that's the way I got it on a so toasted bun. Out. Yeah, so good. Yeah, so good. <laughs> I need a I need to hunt one of those down because that's what I'm craving for lunch. <laughs> Break out your pocketbook. They're probably like eighty bucks now. Uh, well, they got wait. They got hit with the. Uh, um, Oh, the supply chain shortage? Yeah, they got hit with supply chain shortage. There you <laughs> the go. The lobsters did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes they all sense. got COVID. Yep. <laughs> the lobsters are in lockdown still. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What What's uh, a most memorable night in the DJ booth for you? Do you have a, a memory that, that comes to mind? Yeah, one, one that, you know, I, I tell many people is kind of like the, the, the height and kind of and it was all downhill from there it was was really the my first night opening at shrine which was uh may 17th 2008 i want to say 17th 18th and uh yeah it was opening night uh my first time playing at this amazing new nightclub and am was headlining and it was my first time opening for him which was like you know all of our goal at that time yeah. like he, he's the goat and um you know, having the opportunity to share the stage with him that night was, man, that was it. That was what it. was and your uh, mentality? Riz, prep Riz was there too. It was oh. sick. Just so good. Yeah. <laughs> My that mentality was was, was don't fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> My mentality was pure fright, and uh, just try not to fuck up in front of this this guy because. You'll Are you trying to impress that. them or like doing some some custom remixes or custom shit that you just pulled out or Yeah, that was definitely at the height of me doing mashups and remixes and things like that and I definitely was you know I I wanted to impress but not overdo it. I didn't I didn't want to push things too far and fuck up <laughs> by trying to overimpress um but still definitely wanted to to try and flex a little bit so um I don't remember exactly what I played or anything. I don't, I don't think I recorded that set. Although I'll have to go back and double check the archives. Um, but I definitely played a bunch of yeah custom edits and remixes that I had. And I think just tried to try to throw down a good vibe for the club, you know? And were his set. Do you remember yeah. anything from his set? It was it was classic AM, you know. He did the the Wonder Wall thing. He did like all the all the standard AM routines, and um, yeah, I was just just in awe watching that live. It was so cool. And where do you think people at that time there were they hyped to see him? Because I remember when he came to Cincinnati, people were hyped for him. You know, I think I think they definitely were. You know, it was a combination opening night of this brand new club mm -hmm. which was people were super hyped about that to begin with and then you know him there uh to play yeah there, there was there was a lot of hype around that night for sure i mean it was in i think it was in people magazine and like all, all sorts of stuff you know it was definitely uh talked about pretty widely uh i see you got the am dunks in the background there oh yeah i got those yep for sure uh, that's uh i got the the pair that I wear upstairs and the pair that I don't right there for sure. So I was just going to ask if you wear them or not. <laughs> yeah. And then those ones, those ones here are from his collection. Okay. Um, nice. Oh. And then I have, uh, oh, those ones are the, the premieres 
that came out at the same okay. time as the wow. AEMs too. So I'm not a not a huge sneakerhead, but you know, just enough to to be a little dangerous. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I uh I have a pair from his personal collection too. It's just a pair of vans. I couldn't I wasn't uh a balling out enough at the time to buy some of those shoe prices were going it was crazy amounts. Yeah. 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 There's still some on eBay right now that like people are selling like from the collection. The, the one is uh, a pair of like dunk highs that is listed for like $25,000 on there Whoa. from his collection. Yeah. Wow. 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 Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could pay that. Yeah. I don't yeah, think that's yeah. ever going to be be attainable <laughs> <laughs> no i'm positive i don't have money for that yeah <laughs> what is a piece of advice you would tell young dj jd if you had to like go back and which is there anything you'd do differently um don't be afraid to stand up for yourself more i think would probably be the, the great biggest advice thing. you know i think you always hear you know, when we were we were young, you always hear how the music industry kind of like takes advantage of people, and like you you have a a wide view understanding of what that means, but you don't have like that that macro view of how it's really affecting you <laughs> in your everyday life. And um, you know, I think we're all kind of scared to to ask for that raise, ask for more money, um, be afraid to lose a gig because we want to, you know, ask for what we think we deserve and. Um, you know, I think, yeah, having a little more of a backbone in some of those situations may may or may not have been helpful. Who knows? Maybe I would have lost a lot of opportunities as well. Who knows? But um, I'm sure, you know, when one door closes, one door opens. So um, I, I don't think losing some of those opportunities is necessarily the worst thing in the world because other things come along. It makes you hustle. It brings it out that... Yeah, at least for me, anytime that happens, it's like, well, fuck that. Now I'm all angry, and now I want to, like, try harder and, like, go after shit, so. And it actually feels good. Like, those moments, yeah, they, they drive you, and they push you to be better and to try new things and reach out to, to people you haven't talked to in a long time or lost touch with or meet new people. You know, all good things in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah, not being so afraid of that stuff is would be my advice. Uh, do you have a weird or random uh, Serato crate name? Like the most random one in your Serato? Ooh. Um, let's see. I have a, a cool and interesting crate of just random cool things that I come across that don't really fit anywhere else. Um, I guess that's not too, too out and when there. When do you go into that? When do you go into that? I haven't actually really gone into it yet. I, I, I started that, I think, last year. Um, just as kind of, yeah, if I, maybe if I ever live stream or something and I, I'm just looking for weird stuff that no one else is playing that I think is kind of cool. Um, maybe go into that crate then. Yeah. Um, I have one for weddings called time wasters, which is all, uh, instrumentals that I can use during like downtime transitions, like between the first dance and toasts and things like that. Um, I, I like that. I, I need to make a list of something like that. Cause I've been trying to, you know, someone's coming up for a speech. I call them up and it takes forever from the walk. I'm trying to throw something in there. A little walk. Yeah. music. Yeah. The, the time wasters for sure. And in Serato, I started um, putting emojis in some of my crate titles. 
to make them a little more recognizable as well. So that that's I think uh yeah, a fun fun thing to do. Makes it makes some of those crates a lot quicker to find. <laughs> is, I, I is one of them is one of them a, a lobster roll? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> All right. Are, how many songs do you have in Serato? Are you like a, a hoarder or do you do you so go through I, your music? I am a hoarder one hundred percent. Um but I just I uh, transitioned to a new laptop in January. So uh, I took all the songs, I consolidated all my most used crates and just dragged all those songs to a new library and started fresh, um, which means that I still have, um, where is, uh, where's the number? If you highlight, if you highlight all and drag it into a crate, then I'll show you the number. Oh, uh, you know, that is a, yeah. a second here. Uh, it's taking a moment. And I had, before I transitioned, I had probably over 100,000 songs on my uh, on my drive. It was a two terabyte drive that was completely full. For external? Sure. External, yeah. yeah. So I, I transitioned to to an internal, using the internal drive on this new laptop. Because I, I tried that external experiment for about four years, thinking, you know, I'll save a little money on the laptop um, by not getting crazy storage and I'll, <laughs> I'll, it'll be easy for me to just unplug and plug this drive. And if this computer crashes, I could just transfer it to another computer easily, which is all true. But man, I hate having to go to my bag and break out that hard drive. It's the worst and have it dangle in there and I'll, I'll start like over it, over it. So I, I went, I went all out and got the eight terabytes and said, forget it. I'm never worried Damn. about it. Yeah, hoarding it is then with eight yeah, terabytes, yeah, never going back. Right now, I have about two terabytes available, which is great. I have a lot of video content on here right now. But um, so right now, I have fifty six thousand four hundred sixty six songs in my Serato. Wow, you wow. still cut it in half. That's still so impressive. Yeah. yeah. So that's a lot. I I, <laughs> I I want so bad to <laughs> I want so bad to be one of those people that can that can just you know, fit all their, their music on their 256 gig internal hard drive. I yeah. want to be one of those people. <laughs> I, I, I'm just never going to be one of those people. I'm coming to terms with it. It's, it's just not going to happen. Z, I, oh, go I, ahead. I, was, I don't download anything unless I actually think I'm going to play it. See, I don't, I download everything because <laughs> I don't want to use the interface on any website to preview anything. You know, I'm the same. Wanna... I'm exactly the same. <laughs> I I hate websites. I hate all the websites. Yeah. <laughs> no offense to any of them. But yeah. it's just like, you know, it's so much quicker and easier to just have loaded in Serato, preview it super quick, jump around it, boom, 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 put it in a crate or not. And yep. then, you know, I, I have, uh, there's this program, Lexicon, that I'm sure a lot of people are getting familiar with that I'm kind of trying to, to test out a little bit. I've heard mixed things from some people. Um, but it has some some interesting features that could maybe help pare down a library, like remove songs that are not included in any crates and things like that. Um, Wait, so I, I've we'll not, I've not heard of this app at all. So it used to be called Record Buddy. I oh yeah, is what it was. I had uh, Record Buddy, or maybe no Record Cloud. Sorry, Record Cloud. Record okay. Buddy was a separate thing. So this so was called Record Cloud, and then they just revamped the whole thing, rewrote the app, and uh, just released it this spring i want to say maybe march 
uh, officially took it out of beta. It's called Lexicon. And um, it helps synchronize your libraries between all the programs. Um, kind of acts as your, your main library hub. Um, you know, transferring cue points between between everything and, and all that. Um, but it has a lot of a lot of cool features as well. Like you can take a text file and have it create a playlist of songs in your library that are included in that text file, uh, which is can be helpful for weddings and things like that. Um, How much is this? Because I'm definitely going to look at afterwards. It's like thirty bucks a month or something like that. I think it's it's oh. not cheap. It's a little little steep. Um, I don't know if you know. I don't know if it's going to be there for the long haul for me yet. But kinda, is it out of beta? It. it is out of beta now. Yep. Okay. Dope. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah. Um. Okay. Do you have? And this is always random because I feel like we kind of already talked about this in some way. But like, is there a left turn song you like to play in the club? That I mean. Sometimes me and Drew talk to people, we get answers, and they're like, oh, that's not really a left turn. I play that one all the time. But, you know. Yeah. So one of them, there's an edit that DeVille did. Uh, the All I Do Is Win, Love You, DeVille troll edit that I play all the time. And it goes uh, from All I Do Is Win, Everybody Hands Go Up, and then goes into Whitney, I Will Always Love You. <laughs> and it goes into a buildup and like a super hard drop. Um, so I don't I don't usually get into the super hard drop. What I usually do is uh, it kind of has a buildup on Whitney's uh, long held note of you hmm. and then has like a, a drum buildup. So I just do like a four uh, two bar loop on that maybe. And they usually mix into something else to kind of like filter out of it and kind of use that as a, a buildup into the next song. And it it always gets those those looks for sure. Although, so, you know, I, I've, I would think it works. Does, it works really well. Yeah. 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 You always get those people that are like, they, they give you that weird look, like what the hell are you doing? And then they look at their, their girl and they're like, okay, yeah, I get it. <laughs> I like yeah, that. So, so that, and then, uh, you know, everybody always, of course, is doing some kind of turn down for what uh transition which for for years i've been doing that into uh uh wannabe by the spice girls and uh that's always super fun so turn down for wannabe yeah <laughs> well, i'm cool. gonna have to, i i have to i have some video of it for sure somewhere i gotta try and uh get on some nick spinelli level and see if i can post something that goes viral with that we'll see yeah you are you on the tiktok I do have a TikTok, and I think I, I did post a few DJ blends over uh, 2020 when that was like a, a thing DJs were doing heavy for like three weeks. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I haven't really touched it since. <laughs> <laughs> Although I hear that's where it's at. Yeah. Yeah, I like I go down the TikTok rabbit hole and I'll be sitting there scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And then next thing I know, it's three days from now. <laughs> yeah yeah that's like that's me with reddit for sure you know oh it's, I, it's just as bad as reddit it's like the the funny or the meme column in reddit is, is what i deleted about. my reddit because for that reason i was like i cannot <laughs> this is just out of control it's too it's crazy yeah uh okay this is one we're gonna start asking i don't think we've asked it fully yet but 
Uh, do you have a DJ horror story, like a, a story from a night gone bad? Hmm. Uh, yeah, club, definitely... club, wedding, it could be anything. Definitely a few. And I'll, can I give a story that's not directly about me, but that sure. I witnessed? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so we've had Steve Aoki at Shrine many times from before from when he was still playing on a MacBook, like that first year we were open um, and all the way till, till last week when he had him. Um, and, you know, he, he's always been big on the production and is definitely one that has always pushed us to, to up our production game at the club to stay up with his rider and stuff like that. Um, so CO2 obviously has always been a, a big, a big part of that. And we've always had a, a CO2 gun in the DJ booth um and he was playing uh this is probably maybe nine or ten years ago actually quite a while ago but he he grabbed the co2 gun and uh started shooting it around and next thing you know his hair is coming out the front of the co2 gun because there's a little air intake on the back of the co2 gun he was like waving it around going all crazy his hair got sucked through the air intake on the back of the gun and you could, his hair was coming out the front and it was frozen <laughs> inside the gun because the CO2 froze in a ball inside the <laughs> CO2 gun. <laughs> so he's sitting there. He's like, he didn't really know what was going on at first. And then he's like looking around. He's like super pissed. He's like so bad. And, and like, I'm like right there, like trying to figure out what to do. And like, there's like five people trying to run around, figure out what to do. And some people are like saying, go get scissors. No, like, no, fuck that. <laughs> he's like, fuck you. No, no, he's touched my hair. Uh, he, he was, he, that was not an option. Um, finally, someone came with hot water and, you know, dumped it on and it, it melted it enough to get out. And uh, he, he kept the show going, but you could tell he was, he was not, he was not in a good place for a little <laughs> while after that. He was, he was pretty upset with that situation. He didn't just jump in one of his boats and hang out for a little bit. <laughs> right. This was around those times when he was still doing that. Yeah, I mean, man. So that that's one that I always, I always get a get a giggle about. That's wild. Yeah, that is so wild. Crazy. <laughs> well, your hair to just break off inside the gun and be oh, he's sad. Man, if his hair was actually damaged, he would have been. He probably would have sued us. I don't even know. Like, what would happen? Well, he that's his like brand. Yeah, right. He has that shirt where it's just his hair. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. That is wild. <laughs> That's super wild. Uh, was you said you just had him on last weekend? Was he? Is he still on Serato? No, no. He uses uh, uses record box of sticks now. Okay. He was on Serato for well, even yeah, even when he kind of transitioned to being full EDM, he was still on Serato for a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I, they ended up starting I, to have trouble with with Serato and SL four boxes and stuff like that, and they they just all transitioned to to sticks. Do you run into that issue at the club with Serato? With just, do you have to open up with a record box? I've heard some people come with a writer that say they don't want any Serato DJs before because they don't want to deal with it. I have seen that. You know, anytime that I'm opening up for for an, any EDM act, I'm always opening on sticks. Um, I, yeah, I'm I'm past that point of trying to trying to force the Serato thing on those nights. Um, you know, those nights you're always pretty sure what you're going to be playing anyway. You know, I already have kind of crates set up for that stuff. And, um, 
it, it's also fun, you know, to to play without that screen in front of you. It kind of brings you back to the, the the classic old school days, and so I, I always enjoy enjoy doing that. Do you use like a, a record buddy style program to switch all over those those playlists, or do you just go all in on the record box and just create them from scratch? Yeah, I go all in on record box itself. I usually kind of uh, create a large playlist in Serato first, since that's obviously like my main my main library. Um, but you can just drag songs from Serato into record box and it that's just you know say. makes them into it. That's what I've done. Just yeah, so it's it's Serato. really easy. Um and then in Rekordbox, you just got to go through and, and add some key points, you know, do a little more organization maybe. You know, Rekordbox is really good on the organization side. I always use the the star system I use to indicate energy level of songs. So I'm making sure that, you know, I'm progressing the energy in the right way throughout the opening set. And, you know, I, I really wish Serato had some of those <laughs> organization so, features. Someone was just asking me, hit me up about uh, energy, using the energy, um, you know, the tagger. Mix or whatever it's called, but how do you use that? I I always turn it off just out of you know pure naiveness. So, and I don't use the that energy tag. Um, okay. I just use the stars. So like one star, two star, three star, four star, five star. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, okay. So you know, so, like one star would be like the super chillest song. Like maybe you play right as the club is opening or even before the club is open. Like two and three are like kind of you know the groovy kind of pick up medium energy, low energy stuff. Um, you know, four is kind of the, the peak opening set stuff. That's, you know, not quite, you know, maybe almost verging on going too far, but not too far. <laughs> and then, then five is like the, the peak hour kind of stuff that you really wouldn't want to touch in the opening set. So we've been talking about opening for all these DJs. Um, maybe, What's your mind frame going into that? I mean, you know, nowadays are you, is it still, I guess the club's changing again and it's going a little bit more housey. Are you, um, how do you, what's your mindset going into that preparation? Yeah. So I'm definitely more of the, the classic DJ mindset where I want to set it up the right way. I want to play like really groovy stuff. Um, I'm not trying to, to really show off. I just want to create a good vibe and, and play, play good stuff. That's going to get people ready for that headliner to come on. Um, you know, other people just want to go and play bangers and you know, that's, that's fine. That's definitely not, uh, not the route I like to personally take. Um, so, I mean, I guess that that's really my mentality. I, you know, trying to find a few good remixes of of popular songs that are still in that kind of mid energy um, kind of place, and you know, working some familiar stuff, but also you know, play stuff that people aren't necessarily familiar with. You know, a lot a lot of those opening sets are on nights that are you know EDM or house specific artists, so the people going there you know know what they're expecting and. You know, it's not really a super mainstream crowd like we would have on other nights. So you can definitely get away with some more more deep cuts and things like that. So and you're the uh, music director uh, for Big Night. Can you kind of explain what kind of all that entails and what all you do? Sure. Yeah. So I've been with Big Night um, since that opening night of Shrine in 2008. So uh, we just had our 14 year anniversary at Shrine last week. And um, 
So I've been in that position pretty much since then. Um, and it's kind of a combination of uh, kind of being on top of the tech side of the club. Um, you know, we have uh, a bunch of venues at Foxwoods in Connecticut. Uh, and then we have a bunch of venues in Boston uh, as well as Foxborough. So I am definitely more focused on the Connecticut venues, although I do uh, interact with the Boston venues as well. But I'm definitely um, yeah, kind of focused down here in Connecticut, making sure, you know, Shrine and Scorpion Bar, especially um, sound and lighting and all that kind of stuff is, you know, is working operational. Uh, even sometimes like programming lights, reprogramming sound systems, um, booking DJs as well. I book uh, a lot of the local DJs to do opening sets and like kind of off nights. We have a whole separate uh, group of bookers that do the the big name acts and kind of coordinate the the entire set of venues um so yeah it's kind of kind of a bunch of that that type of stuff and then yeah opening and playing when i can although these days with with the wedding side of the business being being so crazy um i really have not been playing a ton of club gigs uh lately but yeah i was gonna even ask how you balance it it seems like you have three full-time jobs <laughs> <laughs> well and and with the family four i guess really I uh, mean, that's what it feels like i mean you got to diversify these days you know i mean i always thought i was super diversified until the pandemic <laughs> hit and then i realized i'm all in the, this entertainment bubble that that gets completely screwed but yeah <laughs> um yeah i mean the the big night side of things a lot of it I can kind of do remotely at this point. Um, you know, a lot of the scheduling and kind of just uh, admin kind of work can be done remotely. Um, I'm really just going there to put out the bigger fires when that's necessary. Um, try and be there on the bigger nights that need that extra person on hand. Um, you know, our, our biggest party, that I Love Tuesdays party that you mentioned in the opening, um, which has been going on for almost 14 years now, um, is on Tuesdays. So, um you know, there's not usually too many conflicts with my schedule uh, on those nights. So that's a night I'm usually more involved with. Uh, whereas like, you know, Friday, Saturday night, I'm usually not able to to attend those nights unless I'm actually DJing. Um, but we have a, a great team there that, you know, really is able to handle most of the most of the day to day stuff at this point. So I kind of get to oversee uh, from there and just kind of work on some of the, the big picture stuff. That's cool. It seems like you guys have like a, a pretty good group of 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 DJs too, you know, that have kind of all been around the block at this point, uh, you know, and in in the in the game for a while. So, yeah, we definitely have a, a great crew, and you know, a lot of a lot of that comes from from Boston at this point. They've done a really good job of kind of fostering uh, young DJs uh, from the Boston scene, and you know, they've all all started as great openers and are now kind of transitioning to more headlining roles. And, you know, it's really cool to see that progression. And, um, you know, maybe when, uh, when us old guys finally hang up the hat, they'll get some more shots. We'll see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you given any of your students a shot coming open? Is that like a, if they get a straight A, they can, uh, go audition. <laughs> I, I have I have had a few students open for me uh, a few different times, and that's that's always super cool to to get that that opportunity. Um, you know, not all of the students that we have are really interested in in that part of <laughs> of DJing. You know, so a lot of them really just want to want a headline. You know, they're not really 
trying to work their way up, but the ones that are willing to put in that work, I definitely, you know, try to give them a shot and kind of see what's, what's up. Um, we have actually at one point when, uh, our club, the grand in Boston, uh, first opened, uh, we actually did some of our final DJ sets at the grand that semester, um, which was pretty, wow. pretty fun. And some, cool. class. So, um, yeah, I would definitely like to do, do more things like that to give students the, the chance to really play in some of these these real nightclub environments but you know the logistics of making that happen can be a little challenging oh, yeah. at times. <laughs> i can only imagine um let's let's do a segment and then we'll come back because i want to talk about your wedding company and just the transition in, into that but let's sure. change up a little bit Serato Top Five. I'm not sure right. that video has anything to do with this, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the exact point. It has nothing to do with Is it. Is this one of those uh, video loops you guys were talking about? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. That's just like that, a random weird. Well, that was the that was the first one that I ever made, and I was just I it was off, off story blocks, and I got in. I was like, I was just. I was just throwing shit at the wall because I was like, this is so amazing. I could do this on a website. And anyways, so that one's stuck because it's <laughs> absurd. Love it. Love it. So what are we doing? So we're top five? Yeah. Yep. Oh, boy. So <laughs> there's nothing exciting on this <laughs> by any means. Um, and my Serato, the... Uh, play counts on some songs maybe you see this in your serato are just like wildly out of whack yeah like um actually i have a i was trying to see which uh my most played tracks of you guys were as part of this like oh funny i have fuses dance of Kadoro, flat intro full edit that has been played 1029 times it says <laughs> so, wow i know it has been played a lot but definitely not 1029 times yeah uh, and then uh I think I think some of these also get skewed for me, not in a, for the bigger number, but because I have dirty and clean. So they, some mm. of my tracks should be higher. It's just that I split them for sure. Like my highest, uh, my highest Drew Pierce uh, one is uh, "Holla Back Girl" clean short edit. So, oh yeah, yeah, there it there is. You go. There you go. The, um, the, the no B A N N A S edit. <laughs> so uh, I think my most legit top five though is probably going to be uh ain't no mountain high enough the freischwermer remake of that which is like a housey remake love of ain't no mountain high enough love that remix yeah super good works so good at weddings these these are all wedding songs pretty much <laughs> that are on this list yeah. um uh levitating the scooter epic intro uh um, the one which yeah. actually i just made an edit of that because i always have transitioned from that into the radio version to cut out the baby since we can't play the baby anymore. And um, I just made an actual edit last week, actually, that goes into an acapella out for because uh, I usually um, acapella out into another song from that. And then uh, Dance of Godoro, Kevin D and Seven and Rolf remix. Okay. For three. Um, yeah, LCD short acapella out edit. Love City DJs acapella out edit of yeah um and then tal cruz dynamite alternate mix what's the, the alternate mix it, does it come into hands 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 
Uh, how does that come in? Uh, let's see here. I don't know if you'll... It goes right into... I throw my hands up in the air sometimes. Yeah, after just a like a hook first. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I... Uh, what was I going to say? Um, it's, you know... I feel like every time we do the Serato top five, some DJs have a big realization that they're not as cool as they think they are. Yeah. And, uh, and, yeah, and that's for not sure. a, a dig, but it's just like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we all end up playing the same shit and like we're, you know, the internet exists and it, I was, I forget if it was Mike D where I was, we were talking about this, but like there really is only little bits of regional stuff anymore that is popular in certain areas and pretty much we're all playing the same stuff you know you know 100 percent. my i play dynamite all the time i play usher yeah all the time i play levitating all the time so it's like not surprising that those are in there and and like kind of like like jay spring was mentioning he was trying to play some of those songs less when he's playing in bars and clubs which i 100 percent agree with that like something like like yeah um this is how we do it like those kind of songs definitely should be less in that rotation um but they still kill it at weddings and private events and stuff like that so of course yeah it's a sad reality <laughs> um you mentioned levitating and i always like to ask what you're kind of playing around some stuff and and maybe that it must come subconsciously from remix report because i you guys would always do how you bridge the different things and i'm curious what you're playing uh, at a wedding, maybe before or after levitating? Sure. So I kind of go into levitating from anything. Sometimes I get into it actually right after like a slow dance or something as like the first kickstart to the next dance set. Um, that's definitely a popular one for that. Um, or if I've been playing kind of old school stuff like the yeah, and this is how we do it and so stuff like that and i want to update to something newer kind of go into that um but from that um you know towards the end of the song it has that before the last chorus it kind of breaks out into her acapella of her her singing the first part of the chorus and then kind of the beat okay. comes back in so what i've always done until i made this acapella out edit last week is i use beat jump to uh kind of repeat um that part of the acapella yeah. Until I'm ready to get to, um, I think she says, come on, dance with me. And it kind of has that like big woo kind of yeah. going up there. Um, and that's where I transition to the next song, whatever that might be. Now I have a acapella out edit that just plays the acapella chorus the whole way through. Um, so I, I was going into uh, getting jiggy with it a bunch. Oh, is that canceled now? It's semi-canceled. I, I still play Jay Springs' uh, Fresh Prince. This is how we do it. Uh, yeah. Mashup that he did back in the day, and it still gets a good reaction. I, I don't know if I'm ready to bring up, bring a, um, bring that one back yet, but hopefully they're in the same key and they're both kind of disco feel tracks, so they sound really good together. Um, but I've been doing a lot of transit tempo transitions uh, using sync to kind of keep songs in. Uh, in line with each other as you're doing that tempo change. So I'll actually sometimes go into uh, that ain't no mountain high enough. Um, Fresh warmer oh. version. And that, that works out really well too. They're in the same key as well. B minor. So, and this is in Serato. So to yeah. do that, that I I've never done, 
I've done big tempo transitions just down, like into like I actually use that levitating. I'll transition down because it's just acapella out. So you can kind of think down, but to have them synced up and going, and I'm just so naive to think. So to have them synced up, you just got to really match up the grids and make sure that's all lined up. What yeah. Else? So when you so what sync does essentially is it's just tying the tempo of your two tracks together. And there's different ways you can kind of use sync, but the way I use it, it's really just tying the tempo together. You still have to kind of line up the grid and all of that, make sure that the, the actual positioning of the tracks together is still still correct. But if you move the tempo of one track, the other track is going to move at the same ratio. Um, so, you know, what I'll, what I'll do is I'll slow down Ain't No Mountain High enough to probably like 105 or something is usually where I, I would be playing it at. Um, I'd slow that down to 105. Once that is matching the levitating tempo, I would hit turn on sync at that point. Um, and then okay. I would, over that acapella out, I would move that tempo up until it gets up to 128 or 124, somewhere around there. Um, so it's do hitting that 124 right at the end of the chorus, and it goes right into um, the Ain't No Mountain High Enough verse. And then at that point, I would turn sync off, because I'm not going to be using it um, from that point. But for those tempo transitions, sync is is super cool because you can do do all these these new mixes that we could never do before unless you you were trying to use both your hands on both the pitch sliders trying to keep things you yeah. know that was that was a nightmare. So um, you know all, all this technology, you know when when used the right way, yeah. um, I think is amazing. You know it's it's people that use these things out of pure laziness that we get into issues, but. Um, you know, those are, I guess the whole sync thing is another whole topic, but yeah. <laughs> I have nothing against it. I'm just too dumb to, to practice it. I, I, I love how you just explained it. That's, that's great. Which for all of our listeners that weren't aware of remix report, he just explained it right there in that little description. <laughs> like, and that was what you'd go to and he'd explain that little process. So that was dope, man. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah. I've been wondering, cause I've been wanting to get you know, you have that up-tempo disco, and I've been trying to figure out ways to get down, uh, down-tempo down disco. It's, so I got to just mess with some sync. Yeah, like getting from, yeah, yeah, the, the 128 kind of disco stuff down to, like, staying alive and that, all that kind exactly. of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I usually use, I usually use, actually, 24K Magic a lot of times yeah. I'll use for that. Uh, yeah. There's a few transitions, pre-made transitions, or I'll just do the same kind of technique I was just mentioning to get down to yeah. to 24k and then a lot of times they'll go from 24k magic into staying alive uh there's a, a blend that i play all the time i think rocket scientist might have actually done it of staying alive over yep. 24k magic play that awesome. play, uh, that's probably one of my most played tracks for sure yeah. and then i go into this um i only play that for a short period of time because i go into this uh teddy bears electric remix oh staying alive, alive oh is, yeah, yeah i like that one I go yeah that. It's my go-to for sure. That, there's, there's... I was going to say, I think you're the first person that we've had on that's actually said, one, that you sync, and then, two, explained it in a way that actually like makes a lot of sense of how to use it <laughs> properly. Um, nice. And, nice. And These I, teaching I, skills are coming into, into Yeah, play. I was just going to say. Yeah. <laughs> you would think you're a teacher or something. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully people can follow along with that. That's excellent. Uh, I think that was it's a great. Sync it. Sync is one of those things that's a, a little tricky to understand without really getting hands on with it and playing around with it. 
Um, the thing that sync and, and I, I, I don't let my students use sync like at all, because unless your beat grids are done properly uh, at the correct tempo and unless you understand what to do in the instance where sync throws your track completely out of whack, then you shouldn't be using it because if you can't correct those mistakes, then, then you know, it's, it's all pointless. But, um, you know, the, the key to using sync is getting your pitch sliders in the correct starting position when you activate sync because right. your pitch slider is kind of getting out of whack from your zero point is yeah. where things really get crazy and, so, and really frustrating. My question, because that's why I don't use it, is what you just said. What do you do after? Do you just zero them out? Or once you get it, it's all fucked up, right? Do you, uh, how do you get it back to zero? Do you just turn it off on the left deck and then eventually go back to the right deck and turn it off? So what I would, there's a couple ways to kind of go about it. But the main way I do it is that if I was slowing down Ain't No Mountain High Enough um, to that 105 tempo, I would, I would, you know, make sure my pitch um, range on that was wide enough to get all the way down to 105. I would actually physically slow that song all the way down to 105. So the pitch slider is actually in that position. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would turn on sync. So I have ain't no mountain high enough slowed down by, you know, 20%, whatever it is. And then I would move that pitch slider though, during that tempo change, I would move the pitch slider back up to zero, which yeah. is the tempo I want to get to anyway. Um, so it, it keeps it in line that way. And then I turn off sync. As soon as I'm there, I turn it off and, and don't have to worry about it until the next, uh, next song comes up. One way you can, if your tempo gets out of whack, you can use instant doubles actually to kind of get back on track where, um, you know, if my, my pitch ends up at like plus eight on the slider, even though I need it to be at zero, I could instant double that track to my other deck, make sure the pitch slider is at zero on that side and just switch over. And now this this deck is you know irrelevant anymore. I can kind of get things zeroed back out. So you wouldn't stay on sync after that once you're up to the. I, I don't find anything wrong with it. I'm more just asking. You're just using yeah, it mean, just that trick, and then you're done. You're back to what it is. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The I the only time I use sync for an extended period of time is for like a set like the one I posted this morning uh, from my Berkeley final set. Like that, I did use sync the whole time because. I'm doing a lot of tempo transitions throughout that whole entire mix. And I have three decks going and I'm trying to like, you know, keep things in line and, you know, it's just kind of easier to, to focus on the other logistics than the, the pitch slider or the, you know, the pitches of those. Um, but generally in, in normal DJing, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of people using it all the time, but, but certainly use it when it, it helps do a, uh, do better DJing, you know? Yeah, it's to be used as a tool to make you better, like in that sense. And the way that your exact definition of using it is the way it's supposed to be used, I feel like, you know, for 100%. stuff that you can't really do live, like without that tool. So, yeah. Uh, Agreed. But, uh, uh, one of the things I, I kind of wanted to ask about before uh, to kind of backtrack is with the I Love. Tuesday's parties that you guys started, um, you guys have had like huge names um, from all different kind of walks, uh, you know, in the part in those parties. I think I've seen like 50 Cent 
or you know like tiesto or whatever you know um on those nights is there i mean is there a thought process a little bit with it or is just like if it draws it draws and that's what we're gonna do or you know and it's generally been been our edm night Uh mostly no that's definitely where it's it's focus has always been pretty much since maybe the second year of the party it started off as an industry night um trying to really just build in an extra night of revenue for the club outside of the normal nights um so as me and, and Vinny vibe mostly um kind of as as the main residents as we started the party and it was all like trying to get local bartenders and whoever to, to come out and you know finally after like a year of very few people coming it, it ended up uh getting getting pretty big on its own there and then what really changed the party was when we had Avicii. Uh, we were, I want to say, his first or second show in the United States. Wow. Um, and I think second. I think he played like Governor's Island maybe like the day or two before. Um, but yeah, he was brand new. This was when like bromance and levels were like huge in the club already. Like we were playing the shit out of those songs. Yeah. But like two years before it hit radio. <laughs> yeah. You know, remember those days when, when we were playing songs like like a G6 and all all that stuff for like for a year yeah. before they ever got popular. But they were crushing in the club like that. I feel like that never happens anymore. But. Early LMFAO remix and oh, yeah. uh, Cataracts yeah. remixes and all Hell that Bloghouse yeah. shit. Yeah. Oh, sure. yeah. Those are those so good. Um, so when when we had Avicii, that's really when it transitioned into being, okay, we're doing EDM now. And it's pretty much been that ever since. That's always the focus. But every now and then, um, you know, we do throw in some of the bigger hip-hop acts. If, you know, if they're they're big enough and they're going to draw, it can be fun to kind of switch up that night. Uh, we've had Rick Ross a bunch of times. Uh, he came when the Patriots won and uh, Gronk came down to, to party. Um, you know, they all party together and there's some some interesting stories there, like uh, Rick Ross throwing up on the stage and continuing his show. Um, he actually talked about that on a on a podcast I heard yeah. one time. Uh, it was freaking disgusting. Um, oh. <laughs> he, he just literally he's like he's like he's he's performing. He just turns around, throws up all over the carpet on the stage, and gets back up and keeps performing. I mean, I got to oh, give some bro. credit there. But yeah, what a pro. <laughs> 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 the party uh but yeah like 50 cent as well you know obviously you know super uh, super big mainstream act so th- they all definitely still work on those nights but people definitely know that it's a it's an edm focused night that's cool so the, the music stays the same for the most part they come on they do their little bit you might transition a little bit right before they come on and then bam back to the edm yeah i mean some of those nights we might play a little more hip-hop in general um but but yeah, sometimes we're still kind of opening up with with EDM, and I mean those nights where you know they're going to be coming in and playing something completely different, you can go a little bit harder earlier, you know, play some more of the mainstream tracks, and if there is a closing set after they're done, then you can like really go go ham at that point. Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. It's uh, it's definitely you know, there's only a few clubs and stuff that I've followed over the years, and I feel like you guys have always been doing it right, and that you know, um, that company seems to really uh, care about the the DJs and the, I don't know. It seems like they've got a good thing going on. So. Thank you. Yeah, definitely appreciate that. 
since we're talking about all the clubs, and I know that you're transitioned a lot into weddings, and it uh, seems like you're slammed with weddings these days. What was the progression of getting into weddings? Uh, are you liking it even more? I mean, I personally love it. I love the challenge. I love that every time it's different. You know, what does your wedding setup look like? And, you know, basically what got you into it? Yeah. So, you know, when I first started DJing in the late 90s, like having the dopest setup was always a goal of mine. Like I always wanted at that point, it was like kind of like DJing school events like proms and, and homecomings and stuff like that. So I always wanted like the trusses and the lights and like the whole whole sound and the whole thing. Like that was always a big goal of mine. So the, the mobile side was always definitely a big focus. And then I was I was obviously happy to to have the club stuff because it's just so so fun and you know obviously is is big for the ego. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah I actually DJed my first wedding when I was in high school uh for a pair of teachers that were getting married. So that was kind of my first dipping my toes in the wedding business. And then kind of probably around 2007 is when I officially started my business, like quit my my day job that I had at the time and, and decided to really focus on DJing full time. And that's also when I really started getting heavy into clubs as well. So it was definitely a, a, a balance, uh, more club heavy, but still, you know, I don't know, maybe 15-ish to 20-ish weddings a year probably starting from like 2009, 2010 till, uh, you know, 2014, 15, maybe. And then slowly kind of building up to uh, pretty much being booked every weekend with weddings in some form, but still having a good balance between weddings and nightclubs. And then the pandemic happens. And obviously we're postponing all these weddings, which mostly had mostly postponements, very few cancellations. And, and, Maybe there's some factor of some DJs getting out of the business at the time. So kind of focusing more business our way as, as some of the few remaining. I'm getting lots of venues and vendors recommending me uh, at this stage as well. I have a lot of great relationships there. So that's really helpful. Um, so at this point, I'm able to play in the club very little because I literally have almost no availability um, from April till November um, to even do any club work. How many is... weddings a, a year now since then? So before the pandemic, I was like maxing out around 45 personally. Um, and this year, I think I'm doing 88-ish. Which so. is so nuts for that small of a season. It's just... <laughs> that's uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, it, it started in, in April, really. April 1st is when it really started to pick up and now it's two and three weddings every week. I think I have 14 weekends this summer that are three weddings in a row. Wow. I don't know. Tips on (laughs) any any tips on how to stay sane during that (laughs) yoga. It's (laughs) I'm trying to figure it out, man. It's, It's such a juggle. And, you know, especially when you have a family, it's, um, it's, you, you never, you never have it quite right. You're always trying to, to figure out what that balance is. And, you know, there's there's good days and bad days and good weeks and bad weeks and good months and bad months. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, I think, you know, my wife is in, in the wedding business as well. She does makeup and hair and stuff. And um, so she definitely understands. And, you know, we definitely it all comes down to, to communication on, yeah. on that part, mostly, which we don't always get right. But. We always, we always keep trying. (laughs) (laughs) 
And, and so what's the wedding setup look like? What, what are you bringing out? Is it change? Does it evolve? Yeah, it's, it's, um, I have a couple different options these days. I definitely, um, bulked up the, the gear in the last year or so. Um, I have a, a really nice RCF setup with, uh, the 8,004 subs and the NL, uh, NL 24 A's for the tops. Yeah. Um, so that's for some of the bigger weddings. I used that actually for every wedding last year. Cause I was like the, I got rid of my QSCs. Actually, I still have them. I need to sell them, but stopped using the the old QSCs. I've been using it for ten years. Although, I mean, that system compared to the QSC system is like night and day. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, big, <laughs> big upgrade for sure. Yeah. Um, and then this spring, I also got uh, the LD Systems Mali Forty Four G Twos, yeah, uh, which are really slick looking uh, column Very speaker sure. with a fifteen inch sub, and man, those are crushing it for nice. me right now. I'm using those. Pretty, I think I only brought the RCFs out on one wedding so far this year. And why did you go with those instead of uh, – I use the Evox 12s, the RCF Evox 12s. So why did you go with those? And I know they're an amazing speaker. Had yeah, I not yeah. owned them before, I would have probably compared them before I went with it. So a friend of mine actually recently got the Evox 12s too, and I think we're, we're going to plan to do a head-to-head with them to kind of see, yeah, see how they compare. I think overall they're probably pretty comparable. Um, I definitely like the look of the LD Maui's uh, a bit better. I think that's really kind of what it comes down to for me is just the, the aesthetic. Um, and luckily, the sound has really uh, proven itself in the events that I've used it for. I think anything for 150 people or less in almost any space, those are going to be more than enough. They're going to crush. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, weddings 150 or more, I'm, I'm more likely to bring out the RCFs. Or for weddings where I really know people want more of that club club feel, I'll bring mm-hmm. out the RCS for sure. Um, but man, those LDs definitely have, they still have some really great bass for their size. And man, it's it's, it's kind of wild. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard nothing but great things about that speaker. So the, the only bad thing is all the bags are still on back order. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so man. I'm, like, I'm like trying to be so careful bringing these things around, like wrap them in moving blankets and all sorts yeah. of nonsense. Like I finally got the cases for the tops, but the subcase with a caster board still on back order. It's been back ordered for like six months. Who knows when the hell that stuff's coming in? It's it's 2022. That's what Supplies it is. Supplies change. You can't find anything. Um, so so that's the speakers. I got uh, the Rain 12s with the S11. Uh, in a coffin as my main setup there. I do have a rev seven coming uh, maybe this weekend. So I'll be giving that a shot. Um, am I frozen for you guys? I don't know. If... No, no. Okay. Interesting. Um, what else do I have for, for lights? I'm, I'm huge into lighting. Um, so I have a, a lot of uh, eternal lighting cube echoes for up lights. Uh, I have the Astera pixel tubes uh, that I got yep. last year. I've been playing with those. I got, um, one of the other companies owned by the same company that owns LD Systems uh, is Cameo Lighting. I got a couple of those um, up lights that I've been using as kind of washes. Um, I really like the Chauvet FX Par 9 as a yeah. great wash. Um, it has a, a few different effects. That's been my main thing up until recently. Um, I really wish they'd come out with a battery version of that because it's such a killer light. <laughs> I agree with that. I <laughs> totally agree with that. I just used two Ape Labs instead because I like their show, the Ape Labs show. And so, yep. and their battery. 
yeah yeah for sure and then um been using um sound switch as well to kind of synchronize stuff um although they're they're still for weddings sound switch is great for the dance set it's not really great for uplighting because there is no ability to fade from one look to another look it snaps from one look to the next look so if you want to do a nice fade from a nice warm white highlighting uplight look into a, a blue for a first dance or something it's like oh now the room's blue look at that <laughs> oh look the room's turning blue now right uh, right right so i think once they get that fixed have you got that sound switch uh control one yeah, the, is that what it is the control one yeah I, I didn't even look at the features of it i just saw the email come through i was like ordering because <laughs> you know these days if you don't order it right away you're not getting it so right and it, it's pretty cool i mean I don't know if it really offers a lot more functionality than you get just by, you know, clicking on your screen. Um, right. But but it's 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 cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of all this new tech, let's hit them with some new tech. I gotta, I gotta fix these. I gotta edit. I update them. <laughs> I don't know. Love, it. Love it. I like. I like how you worked in the the music reference with the AO technology in there. <laughs> there may or may not have been some weed late night, and I was just like <laughs> goofing off, but and they stuck. So yeah, good times. So. Yeah, is there any new technology that you're enjoying? We were just talking about, you know, you use um, Sound Switch and you've got a S11. Is there any uh, a dongle adapter, uh, a camera, anything else that you you really like and that you use? So I definitely have been. Uh, I got some GoPros uh, last year. Got the GoPro Max, the 360 uh, camera, and then a, a GoPro Nine. Um, and I've been setting those up at a, a lot of events, uh, mostly weddings, but I've been setting them up at the club too, and just trying to get more more general content. Um, so at I have, events, do you have like a trick? Do you put? I've heard somebody attach like a, a battery pack to it, or you put it on a mic stand, or how are you getting it up, and how are you positioning these? Yeah, so I have uh, these monopods that I got on Amazon. I think they're about forty bucks. Uh, they have blue feet, so if you're looking on Amazon for monopods, they're the ones with the blue feet. Um, they get up about six feet. Um, so I'll, yeah, I'll put the camera on there. I'll run a battery pack down at the base. Um, usually tape it to the base. I might add actually, uh, like put a roll of gaff tape around the base, add a little more weight down there so they don't go tipping over. Um, you know, I'll try and usually try and have the 360 set up around the DJ booth, either on the table, kind of up high, or maybe right in front of the mixer. Um, you know, trying to capture more of, of, direct footage of me and the crowd in front of me. And then I'll have the, um, the other GoPro kind of set off to the side, maybe looking at the setup or from the edge of the room or somewhere else to kind of get an alternate angle. Um, so I have, you know, all these, all these events that I have all this footage from and, uh, zero time to edit any of it. So it's all just <laughs> taking up space. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Anyone listening, we need full-time uh, DJ video editors. You got you got more work than you know what to do with. Oh man, if that if that's a thing, let's make that a thing. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Um anything else? 
Um, what else? I mean, yeah, I kind of mentioned a lot of the other newer things that I've been using. I mean, obviously, uh, yeah, I got the new M1 Max um, laptop this spring. I'm definitely loving that. It's, uh, 14, 16? 16, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah all maxed out. for everything? That's everything? Is yeah, that, went, does that stay at home? Does that go to the club? Everything? It goes everywhere. It does go everywhere. And then I, have, I still have a 2017 MacBook Pro, uh, the one I was using previously, that is my backup now. Um, so that's kind of just there, ready to go if I need it. Um, but yeah, this thing is is my workhorse. goes everywhere, uh, for sure. So we're both... Uh, we've both been using M1s uh, too, and just the M1, there's just night and day difference too. Like it's with the thing that I noticed the most is that it doesn't get hot, you know, and the battery life lasts forever. I don't know, it's amazing. It's really amazing. It's so good. And like those 2017, well, the ones before this, the heat issue is, I'd never really actually run into it because I'd always used. Uh, my Berkeley laptop for for ceremonies, which has been a 13 inch like 2013 or 2014 MacBook Pro, um, so it had a nice fan in it. Has always been fine. Yeah. And when I uh, transitioned to this new laptop, I was like, you know what? I'll use my uh, my 2017 MacBook Pro for for ceremonies. And you know what? Uh, that shit does not work because no. it, it immediately overheats with even. I, I got this umbrella to put on my my ceremony system to cover it. No, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. If, uh, Trash. It, a, a light breeze of heat, and it will will just stutter <laughs> and spit and yeah, it, the worst. Yeah. It, how do how, how do they do, how do they do that? How do they? I don't know how they ever <laughs> sold laptops or actually got bigger during that era, right? They they were even bigger than ever during that I era. And now now they went back and started listening to people. They're like, oh, people want fans, and you want it thicker. Oh, <laughs> here you go. Oh, you want you, you want, want it to work. Ports. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, want to pay uh, five grand for a laptop and use it regularly. Here you go. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. clears throat> well, our only other segment we have left. We have well, two. What's we, in your bag? What's in your bag? Uh, which we can't play the video for because we'll get flagged. Um, <laughs> because it's major bag alert. Major bag alert. <laughs> Uh, so that's that's just gonna be it. We can do what's in your bag. What's in my bag? So I have like five bags, <laughs> but um, in my main laptop bag, I always have my my wedding schedule on a clipboard. Nice. That's the the main thing. Um, have a a backup power supply. I have a hardwired microphone, RCA to eighth inch cable. Lots of different USBs and. All, all the cords, some backup hard drives, the the Apple uh, USB C to HDMI adapter. Oh yeah, gotta so, have that. Go to AA batteries for sure. Business cards, can't forget the business cards. I think I have some uh, breath strips, which <laughs> Jay Spring would be very proud of. He put me on the breath strips. Um, I have a a not used but definitely beat up mask in case I need one of those. Still. Yeah. Um, yeah, that kind of. I'm sorry. I have some uh, some throat throat drops and an Apple AirTag that I just put in there last week. So that's. Uh, there we go. Yeah, that's what's in the bag. I I just got an <laughs> Apple AirTag to put in my bag too. I I want to stay on top of that. Yeah, I saw someone had posted something about it, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna bite the bullet. I bought the four pack, and yeah, put one in there. Put one in my trailer. Put one. Uh, Smart. 
You hide it? Are you hiding them somewhere? I almost feel like so I, I got there's a little pelican holder you can get for it that has an adhesive on the back. The uh, so I put that uh, inside the trailer with a little air tag in it. Um, then I put one on my keys and my wife's keys. Yeah. So now, <laughs> so part of the 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 drive to get that was my wife keeps losing her keys lately. So. And I'm just like, hey, just tell Siri to find your keys. And now you don't have to ask me. <laughs> that's it's so funny. That's exactly the reason my wife called me the other day. Where the fuck are my keys? And I go, didn't you just get home? And she goes, that's not the point. And I'm going, oh, dude, why would I know where they're at? <laughs> yeah, like a few weeks ago, uh, I ended up somehow with both keys to her car in my pocket. And I was at an event and she had to go to work. And uh, so she was freaking out. She had to take an Uber to work, and I felt pretty bad about that. But it's like, you know, but if she just kept track of her keys, it would all be fine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how they ended up in my pocket. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm innocent. I would like before we get to another segment, and I I know know how much time you got left, but. I, I just wanted to talk about Remix Report and, you know, we mentioned how much it meant to us, like kind of coming up and what you did. And you even gave like a great example of it. Um, just curious, kind of uh, what made you guys really do the jump into just, hey, let's start this this thing for DJs. I mean, this is way before anybody was doing stuff like this. It's wild. Yeah, we started that. I want to say January 2010 was uh-huh. when Remix Report came online. Uh, it was really Jay Spring's idea, although, you know, coming from that teacher background, I'd been thinking for a while, like, I, I want to do something out there to, yeah, further the culture and, and kind of, you know, put my own voice into the mix. And then he came to me and was like, hey, I just read this Gary V book, um, which is like Gary V's first book, Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, and he's like talking about how you got to you, you have to do you have to put out content and stuff. So he was all, all about this Gary V book and I, I read it and um, yeah, he kind of had the initial idea to, to start, to start remix report kind of. And I, I was like, you know, that's freaking perfect because I want to do something like this too. I'd kind of been thinking about a similar idea. Um, so yeah, we kind of came together, started putting together the concept he had. I think he came up with the remix report name, which I just think is just such a, dope name to begin with uh yeah. so props to him for that um because twitter and, was really twitter and blogs were like the big shit youtube was i don't even know was it around or was it kind of still like bubbling it wasn't yeah, what YouTube it was definitely around yeah it, it was it was get, getting big for sure i mean certainly not what it is today but it was it was definitely getting getting big um and we posted our video our main videos on vimeo because they wouldn't get flagged um YouTube always flagged them, but we also cross posted them on YouTube. Um, eventually I was always big into listening to podcasts in general. So, you know, I would strip out the audio from the video and, and repost it as a podcast as well. Um, and yeah, we did that really heavy for basically three years. And yeah. uh, we, we were posting, we were recording at least three videos a week. I think we posted videos on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We would get together one day a week, record everything for the week. Then, um, you know, I was editing it all and posting it all and all that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, and you guys know this, uh, doing your show, it, it is a grind. 
like oh, yeah. you you take a week off and people get get pissed you're, you're afraid to take a week off uh, so you got to like pre-record all sorts of stuff if you're going to do that um, you do get a lot of really cool opportunities for sure it gives you kind of reasons to reach out to people and stay connected which i think is definitely a, a great great part of it i mean we we had awesome interviews and i've been I actually just transferred all of our our content to uh to my main nas that i'm gonna maybe start trying to go through and start posting some little clips from some of that old content now that's like 10 years old um but it was it was a lot of work and it's one of those things where you never it's it's hard to to get the feedback that strokes your ego enough to want to continue pushing forever and ever. (laughs) You know, you you always, you want that, that interaction from, from the people watching to like, that's what kind of drives you right. To, to know that you're you're reaching people. It was Twitch Twitch and not playing live. You know, everyone wanted to be back live. Twitch Mm -hmm. is cool, but it's not live. And it's so crazy because now we run into people in life and so many people since Remix Report have, have, you know, come up to us and be like, oh, man, we, we loved watching that. And it was so cool. And it's like, you know, it's it's really kind of bittersweet because, you know, in a lot of ways, I wish we had continued recording it. Um, it got to the point from my perspective where, you know, a lot of the um, the record pools and, and other people in the industry were starting to to put out similar content. Not exactly like us, but, you know, definitely pushing into that realm. And I was like, man, if we're going to compete with this, we we either have to, like, put a lot more into this or, like, stop. <laughs> Basically, right. we're either got to go all in and really try and make this a thing um, or, you know, or maybe it's not worth it, which maybe that wasn't the completely true. Um, but that's kind of how it felt, I guess, to me in the time, in the moment. Um, but now looking back, like if we had continued doing it over the last 10 years, who knows what, what would have happened? Um, yeah. it's pretty wild. I mean, it's so cool to see, you know, see you guys see like the road podcast I listen to every week. Um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of people that are uh, putting out great content and still kind of continuing these conversations. And, you know, a lot of these same conversations we were having have transitioned into like Facebook groups and, uh, discords right. and all that kind of stuff, you know. So these things are still happening, um, and it's really cool to see. But it, it's it's fun looking back and kind of seeing how we were kind of super early to the party, and and hopefully we we had some good content that people enjoyed, and it, it seems people did. People definitely tell us that, and it's always really nice to hear. Well, I know me and Fuse, we definitely. I I always I had a day job at the time, and I remember just always like coming and to work and watching it, and it was it was always good, and always come up with a, a couple different remixes, and I think we both said we got one uh, song up there, and we we're like, oh shit, my song's on there, you know? It was yeah, like, man. Cool. <laughs> Which when you said that on Jay Springs interview, I was I was man, that put a big smile on my face. Yeah, I was like, sure. oh shit, like, so cool. yeah, it was it was rad, but I what you're saying right now is how I feel about like edits I've made, you know, I, sometimes you put in all this work and we do a lot of stuff behind the scenes and you think people don't even notice, but Mm -hmm. eventually, you know, someone comes up to you and you're like, Oh shit, that made my day, you know? So it is, it is crazy. You put hundred percent. Yeah. 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 And yeah, you you have to be okay with the delayed gratification. And you think, I think, 
now that I'm older, I kind of understand that a little bit more. And you know, I just heard someone else on a different podcast talking about uh, talking about Twitch and things like that. And they were saying, you know, if if you have 12 people watching your Twitch, you know, initially it seems like that's terrible. But what if you were just hanging out with 12 of your favorite people in the same room? Like, how cool would that be? And that's essentially okay. what you're doing. I was like, you know what? That kind of puts a different spin on it where if you're having a great connection with a few people, you know, there's still a lot of value there, even though yeah. it's not stroking your ego as much as a thousand people watching your stream. <laughs> you know, but, but those 12 people might be advocating for you every single day. Whenever anybody brings up needing a DJ for anything, they might be the ones telling these people they need to book you. And those are actually putting money in your pocket at yeah. that point, you know rather than just random people kind of coming across your, your stream. Um, you know, money was always an aspect of it. We did have uh, some advertisers. Uh, we, were, we were getting a, a little bit, not, not anything crazy, but, um, but it got to the point where, you know, the time is money, right. And like kind of the wedding business was starting to take off around that time more. Um, and I just kind of felt, you know, I, I got to put the focus into what is really putting that money in the bank right now. Um, but I wish I do kind of wish we would have kept it at least in some form. Uh, and, and I can understand just because if I was younger and I was doing this podcast, when if I was younger, I know for sure I would have just been like, fuck it. It's <laughs> over with. <laughs> but now I'm older and like, this is relaxing to me. And, uh, you know, I don't, I kind of stopped looking at the numbers every, every couple, every couple of weeks we'll look at it, but I'm really just like meeting new people and engaging. And, you know, like I'm a huge fan of yours to so just sit and talk with you for a couple hours is, is, is awesome to me. It's like really cool. So I appreciate that. And, you know, yeah, I, I completely agree. Like just coming on here and chopping it up with you guys, you know, is, is, it's what it's all about. That's what we kind of, it is relaxing. Like you said, it's, it's just fun to to talk to other like-minded people and yeah and get our thoughts out there and and hash things out and see how other people are doing things a little different get new ideas and yeah it's it is super fun 100%. Yeah. So with uh the talks about uh remix report and you guys had the uh the rocket rant we we're going to oh, ask yeah. you to do a <laughs> uh, a 60 second rant yourself. So uh if there's anything you would like to to rant about um, you could no. take a minute. I'll, I'll chop this out if you want, but I, I got, a, I got, I had two rants planned. So, All right. um, I, I got, we already kind of talked about one, so I'll go the I'll, other route. I'll, I'll, I'll try, try our channel. Shout, shout, let it all out. <laughs> All right. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I accidentally hit the button too quick. They but get uh, better and better. I don't know. That's, that's a Skrillex, uh, a Skrillex uh, <laughs> original. Love it, love it. So I will, I will try and channel Solars um, as much as possible. I, I won't be able to. He, he, he does the rants the justice they deserve. But my rant today is about photographers and videographers' bags and equipment fucking find somewhere else to put it all right i just set up this amazing looking dj setup i have this custom facade that i built i spent weeks building this out of wood and paint and it looks beautiful and my speakers look great next to it and i have my lights my beautiful astera light tubes that are very expensive 
and I love the way they look. And the couple loves the way they look. The venue loves the way they look. Everybody tells me they love the fucking way they look. You know what they don't tell me? That they love your fucking stand that is on top of my speaker and your big orange bag sitting next to my speaker and your orange extension cord going across the room right next to my taped down extension cord that looks beautifully in line with the angles of the room. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> that just makes me so happy because this weekend the photographer came up to me and I, I had the toad booth. I had the TV and we were going to be doing a custom. Oh, nice. Yeah. We we're going to be doing a, uh, uh, a, a video recording of the best man's speech who couldn't come. And they're like, can I put my bags here? And I'm going, what, what I'm in the middle of the room. It's like all the presentation. They're only going to think it's my fucking bags. What do you mean? Put them anywhere else, dude. Why here? You got a whole room. It's a, you see this whole room? Yeah, you can put it anywhere. You can put it in the corner where it belongs. Like, so what I can't do you even take a picture them? of my fucking setup to post on Instagram because there's shit everywhere. Yeah. What do you tell them? Uh, I'm, can you just play this rant back for them? Or <laughs> <laughs> actually, like, so a few weeks ago, I was working with a, a good videographer friend of mine, and. Uh, I kind of said this all to him and he, we all laughed about it, but he knew I was like, I was, I was serious, but also yeah. joking around with him. And um, yeah, I think, I think more of them are starting to understand a bit because even them asking is kind of indicating that they're aware that their shit sucks and they're doing yeah. the wrong thing. Um, so, you know, I try, I say I want to be as accommodating to them as possible as well. I don't want to be a jerk to them. I don't want to make their, job harder or or whatever you know we're all kind of on the same team trying to make this event happen so um i might just try and redirect them though to a better position for their bag rather than on top of my speaker yeah um us you know (laughs) 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 i have have all of the um I'm in California and our rooms seem to just be getting smaller or they're outside and i do feel for them because they don't even let i have to pull all my bags back to my van because they don't even let, let us put it shit anywhere. So I feel for it. It's just find somewhere else. <laughs> find somewhere Bring- else. Find like a better way to package your stuff that makes it look more presentable. I spent all this time making my shit look presentable. Right, right, right. Where, where's your time making your shit look presentable? Yeah. Like, why am I the only one that has to make my stuff look good? You can make your stuff look good, too. It's not. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Bring your own facade. Bring fucking God knows Seriously, what. Seriously, I thought I thought about that. I'm like, well, yeah. Why don't you bring? Something? There's a money making scheme right there. Photographer <laughs> facade. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh man, the rant was amazing. Uh, what we got? Anything left? Is there anything you want to talk about? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think we we definitely hit a lot of stuff. Um. My only Definitely. other favorite segment is uh, if you'd like to, if you travel a lot, travel tips. Um, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Stay home. No. Make your money. <laughs> um, I, my one travel tip is um, don't get blackout wasted and then dropped off at the airport expecting to make your flight. <laughs> 
I'm guessing there's a story for that. There might be. There might be a story about that. Um, possibly missed a flight in Florida one time when uh, Super Seed brought me down there to, to play at a spot. But <laughs> And had to DJ back at Connecticut that night, so I, I did have to find another flight. It's, it's always interesting when, uh, when you wake up like three or four rows of seats in the lounge away from where you remember being and TSA looking at your bag in the place you were before, but are no longer. (laughs) (laughs) That might've happened. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure the, the, the money I made on that trip was, was a wash by the time I rebooked the flight, but it was a good time. (laughs) That's what, that's what being young is about. Good times. Memories. Or not so much memories. Memories that no longer exist. Yeah. (laughs) That's my best advice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, hit us with your websites, social media, anything you want to promote, where they can register for your classes. Uh, Sure. Yeah. Everything's at the real DJJD. Don't go into those fake DJJDs. Just the real one. Um, so you can find me anywhere there. Um, the wedding business is, uh, Dawson entertainment. So you can find us anywhere, uh, there. Um, yeah, you go to berkeley.edu if you want to go to music school and possibly take any of the DJ classes as an elective or, or whatever. That's always fun. Um, and yeah, check out the, the club stuff, uh, at, uh, bignight.com. Check out our, our venues and all that stuff too. And for the college, if they want to go, what are, is there like a minimum? Uh, you have to have graduated high school. Is there any? Yeah, pretty much, pretty standard college requirements. Uh, you have to have graduated college. Um, it's always been up until at least very recently. You have to play an instrument, I think, uh, and be like pretty proficient at that instrument. Part of the, the curriculum is uh, taking private lessons on your instrument and kind of, you know, the core music theory and all that stuff is a, is a big part of the education. Um, although I think some of that might be changing a little bit as they get into some deeper music business side of things where people might not be or need to be as musically proficient, but are more into the music business side of things. So yeah, pretty, pretty standard kind of college, college stuff. But um, like yeah, it. if you're in that music side, want to do uh, music production, recording, songwriting, music business, performance, any of that stuff. Um, definitely check it out. Dope, dude. Well, such an honor to have you on, dude. Giant, yeah, giant fan. It. Yeah. Big, big shout out, JD. Thank you. Um, thank you guys for having me. It's been a real pleasure, honestly. Thanks. And we just want to say thanks to all the listeners who have been listening and that, you know, we appreciate all the feedback. Like we talked about in this episode, sometimes we don't get to hear a lot of feedback. So, <laughs> The people that do reach out and say things they like or say things they don't like, we actually do enjoy hearing both. So uh, make sure you're subscribing to the YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast on iTunes podcast. Uh, You know, we also appreciate any comments uh, in the comments section of the videos. If you have questions or whatever, um, you know, anything, let us know. And until next time, we'll see you later. Peace. See ya. See ya.